This morning, I get to kick off a brand new teaching series called Driven. Do we have any Indy 500 fans in here? Come on now. It's May. So it's the month of May, and we are celebrating by talking about what it means to be driven by the Lord, particularly this week, driven by love, next week, driven by the Holy Spirit, and finally, driven by sacrifice. And this week, uh, we're kicking it off by looking at the concept that is all over the New Testament, which is to be driven by love. But I'm going to stop there for just a second, because a few of you may have been here two and a half years ago. And if you were here two and a half, half years ago, and you're, and you're like, dude, uh, I recognize you got the couch with the pillows on the stage again. Anybody remember that sermon from, okay, that's great. Uh, it's been incredible over the last year. We've had so many hundreds of new people. You may not have ever heard this, but this is a passage I actually taught on to kick off our compassion campaign two and a half years ago. If you're like, dude, what was a compassion campaign? We, we felt the Lord was telling us to break up the band and turn one church into five churches. And over the last two and a half years, we have been going through the process of launching four new Mercy Road churches. And we announced two and a half years ago, uh, when we were looking at Ephesians, that we were going to try and raise $3 million to do it. And I remember sharing that vision and feeling like, this is insane. Anybody feel like, oh man, I remember that. It was insane. Uh, two and a half years later, you all have raised over $2.3 million. You have planted three of the four Mercy Road churches. And this coming Wednesday, we are putting a stake in the ground with, does anybody know what is happening this Wednesday? The Megathon, baby. The first ever and perhaps last ever Megathon is happening online, live for 12 hours straight this Wednesday, May 19th, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m., it's going to be a blast. In fact, uh, recording artist Ryan Allwert, who joined us on the stage earlier, give it up for Ryan, will be uh, hosting the Megathon, which means it's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be spiritual elements and entertainment, but the whole point is we hope to raise the remaining $695,000 as of six weeks ago. We'll give you the latest update on Wednesday uh, to plant the final church in Anderson. And so everything we set out to do when we talked about this passage two and a half years ago could be concluding in the near future. And so I thought, what a way to kick us off in this new teaching series by re-looking at this passage and seeing where the Lord has brought us as a church family and where he is taking us next. You guys excited? Let's study the word of God together. Turn to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. As you're tur turning to Ephesians 3, Verse 14, I'm going to share with you, uh, I, uh, I got the privilege to go down to Alabama this last week with a number of church planters from Multiply, Indiana. Each of these Mercy Road churches are becoming separate legal entities eventually. We're not starting campuses. We have no vision for a Mercy Road empire. There's nothing like that occurring. In fact, by even saying these things, I'm giving up uh, my, my job uh, validity and sol solid foundation because we're sending hundreds of people out and they will become separate churches and they'll each be a part of Multiply Indiana, which now we've planted, I believe, 16 churches in the last few years. And you all raised years ago a half a million dollars to do that. We believe that the kingdom of God is not just advancing in the New Testament times. It is advancing today. And that the love of Christ is going to be seen by people in our state. And that there will be a million people by the year 2050 come to know Christ. And the process has begun. And I want you to believe with me in a big God that could accomplish all of that. 
But when I went down to Alabama, I got to meet with a number of these church planting pastors and see this, the hardships they've gone through in this last year. And then the kingdom advancement as they're on the front lines that has occurred and got to encourage them. And we got to hear the story of a missionary that I want to share his story with you in just a moment. But what I wanted to encourage you today is the biggest thing that I notice in all of their lives and that we all need in our lives is to know that somebody cares. The reason we called it the compassion campaign, the word passion means to suffer, actually. That's why they call it the passion of the Christ, that he, he suffered when he was crucified. Compassion means to suffer with. And the heart of us sending people out in four different directions, that we might sacrifice and suffer so that other people might know the good news of Jesus Christ. That we could be there with him. We did it and are doing it out of love for people. And when the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 3 addresses the depth of God's love, I believe it wasn't just true 2,000 years ago, it's true for today. Now, a little background on a letter to the uh, church in Ephesus. The Apostle Paul had overseen the killing of Christians at one time. He finds Jesus on the road to Damascus, that Mercy Road, where we get the name Mercy Road from, in Acts chapter 9, has his life radically changed. He goes on to write a lot of the New Testament, and the latest letter that he wrote in the New Testament was the letter to the church in Ephesus. It was written around 62 AD. See, at one time, Paul had gone on a missionary journey and stopped in the city of Ephesus who had never heard about Jesus. And he went there and they were worshiping this false goddess, Artemis. She was the goddess of fertility that caused all kinds of pagan sexual acts. And he tells them about the truth of the one God of the universe and how Jesus was crucified and rose from the grave so that anyone can know God, spend eternity in heaven, and have his spirit with them today. And he was essentially run out of town. And yet, because he suffered with them, this church gets planted there. And years later, he's writing from prison in Rome to encourage the church in Ephesus on the depth of God's love for them and the radical life change that is occurring there. And so when we look at these words, they're significant. He says in uh, Ephesians verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, For this reason, Paul writes, I kneel before the Father. It's on his knees and prays. From whom every family... In heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, that you are so firmly entrenched in love, which, let's remember, God's love is agape love, unconditional love. It's not contingent on how someone is behaving or acting, what they're saying or doing. He loves at all times. That, that our faith may be so rooted and established in the love of God that we would see the type of change that he talks about here. Verse 18, that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That the love of Christ in Christian community might be so great that his power and authority, that the depth of his eternal nature, his infinite nature of his love would pour out in the people in our world today. Don't you think our world needs that? The question I want to ask you is really simple and I'm going to tell you a story. Are you driven by love? Are you driven by love? 
Are you, you so firmly established in the love of Christ? And let's define love for a minute. Biblically speaking, many of us as Americans, when we think of love, we often think of grace or mercy or forgiveness. And that's one side of love. The Bible tells us the way of Jesus, the way of love, is to bring both grace and truth. And truth sometimes is the hard side of love, and that when you only have one, you don't really have the way of Jesus. But those two always go together. And so when we're loving people in our community well, and we're firmly entrenched in his love, it could be life-changing, earth-shattering. Let me give you an example. So when I was down in Alabama, uh, these pastors, we got to hear from a missionary who at a young age had flatlined because of a surfing accident. He had broke his neck and drowned. And they were able to bring him back. And he ended up not only making it and to staying alive, they told him he would never walk again. Not only did he go on to walk again, but he eventually recovered most of his mobility. And he, he talked about how he had been this young athlete that had all kinds of friends. And for the first time in his life, as somebody who had physical ailments, now he found himself kind of as a social outcast at school. And for the first time, he, he was someone that people didn't always approach or talk to. And he began to, to see what it was like for many people in our world today who everyone looks over that doesn't know the love of people. And at that young age, he got a burden for that. And then this miracle happened. He got so much mobility back, he actually was able to begin to play soccer again. And he ended up getting a college scholarship and played, I believe, D1 college soccer. And, and there, for, now he had this platform. He decided he was going to utilize that to make an impact in other people's lives. So he was in Atlanta as a college student with no money, and he just began going into underprivileged places and teaching kids soccer and then telling them about the love of Jesus. And then his eventual wife saw what he was doing and said, hey, I want to be a part of this. And that ministry began to grow and grow. And as he was praying, he realized the Lord had put this passion for underprivileged children and the use of sports to lead them to Christ, to utilize that platform. And in particular, he got a calling as a young man to uh, extreme poverty around the world. And he had this dream of starting a, a mission agency that would have sports camps that would meet physical and spiritual needs in countries. And he got a heart for Africa. And so then get this, he graduates college and he starts this ministry, only he didn't have any money. So he lived in his car for two years, lived off of $9,000 a year because the Lord had driven him to love these people all the way across the globe. And he sacrificed and sacrificed and the ministry began to take off a little bit, but they still didn't have resources. And so then he decided to get married and he invited his wife to move into the car with him. And they lived in their car for the first year of their marriage. And they gave every dime to start this ministry across the country. And you know what happened? People came to Christ. It began to flourish and people found out what was happening, and someone provided them a home, and some came alongside and gave resources, and now that ministry is in five different locations in multiple countries around the world, ministering to, I believe, over a million people. And they've only just begun, and it all started with, he just had this love for people that were being looked over, like he knew what it was like to be looked over as a child. Being driven by love could change the course of human history in our lifetime. There are people in your world right now who everyone is looking over and looking past. 
And if we simply loved the way Christ did, if we were rooted in established love, if we were driven by love, it would be life-changing. Will you pray with me? God, I pray right now, if there is one person in here that you were calling to take a step of faith, to spark the, the compassion of your love, your agape, unconditional love in our lives, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to our souls this morning through your word. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. Amen. I share that story because I love when someone has a big dream of what the Lord could do. You ever find we put God in such a tiny little box of what he could accomplish in our lifetime? And we've got all kinds of reasons why. I've got this problem or that problem or I don't have the right education or I didn't have the resources. I want to talk about the big God that we serve, the depth of his love for us and how that could pour out into the lives of others. But look what Paul says here about what Christ really wants to do when he enters into your life. We'll never experience those big dreams if it doesn't start with a Christ dwelling in our soul. He says in verse 16 again, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell. This is the key part. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. See, some of us think that inviting Jesus into our lives is just a prayer We invite him in for a snack, and then we send him on his way. But what he wants to do is come in and dwell. It's all over scripture. All the way back in the Festival of Tabernacles, I didn't share this at the last service, like the whole idea was that God wanted to dwell with his people. They would live in tents because his dwelling place had been a tent when they were in the wilderness for 40 years, that he wants to dwell in your body now as a temple of the Holy Spirit. He wants to be with you, whatever it is you're facing. So let's get to the couch. Do we have any uh, real estate agents in the room? Anyone selling a home anytime soon? Okay, a few of you. I know like to, uh, you know, purchase a home, you have to like mortgage everything in your life today. But when you go and you're going to sell a home, you know, you have to stage the home because apparently the way you've been living in the home is bad (laughs) and really ugly and no one would want to live in it. So they come in and they change the decor, right? They go, oh, that picture up there, we don't like that. But I love that picture. That picture's great. Nope, we're getting rid of it. We're gonna put something else up there. They come in and they do all kinds of different little decors and little items to make it look like it's a pristine household. And then for some of you, you know, that has everything to do with even the decor of the furniture. Does anybody have a couch at home that has like 18 pillows on it like this? I don't get it. Like, it's like somebody, when, they, when you've made your bed and there's so many pillows, you literally cannot lay down on the bed anymore. What is the point of the pillows? Like, somebody help me out here. But I find that, like, when we think Christ is going to come in and kind of redecorate our home a little bit, that there's already a lot of things filling up our life when Christ shows up. You know, you've got the busyness of sports and you've got academics and school and you've got your career and you've got the fun weekends and the vacations that you're planning. And then you've got your social outlets and you've got the, you know, the problems and hardships that you're dealing with in your life. And your life is so full of stuff. It's almost like, I don't know if I have room for you, Jesus. And so we invite Christ in and it's almost like he's kind of like sitting on the edge just trying to make a little bit of room. And this is, I shared this illustration two and a half years ago, and some of you may remember this. But what actually Christ does when he fully enters into your life, he comes to dwell, man. He takes some of these things. He's like, I know you think you need this and it's really important, but I'm just going to get rid of that. He begins to make himself a little, 
comfortable in your life a little bit, begins to take some of the really important things that you thought were big priorities and just kind of move them around to make a little space, gets himself comfortable. He's going to lay back and stay a little while, if you know what I'm saying. And the next thing you know, you look around your life and is anybody having anxiety right now because of this mess here on the floor? And when Christ comes to dwell, like Ephesians 3 teaches us, it's great to talk about, but the truth is, this is what your life can sometimes feel like. I know when he first came in my life, it was a complete reorienting of things, and some of my friends and family didn't like it. I know when God called us to plant these churches, it felt a lot like this. It was like, God, I don't think this is possible, and this is making me feel really anxious, and I don't know how this is all going to work out. And if I'm completely honest, the last nine and a half, really ten and a half, the year before we started the first church, the last ten and a half years has felt a lot like this. Some of you right now, things have happened in your life. You have a physical ailment or you're dealing with a tough diagnosis or you've lost a job or you're hurting financially or you're having struggles in your life and your life begins to feel a little bit like this. But I want to tell you today, if Jesus is sitting on the throne and he's dwelling in your life, you're able to face it. And I can tell you all these years later, I would rather have this with the Lord seated here than all my life filled up with all the other junk and he's off trying to find someplace else. I'm going to clean this up so none of you have a panic attack, but (laughs) as I look at Ephesians chapter 3, I want to talk about what it's like when he fully comes into your life, when he really dwells, you will be driven by love. People will notice a difference. I'm going to give you four simple points. We're going to go quickly of how when we are driven by love, you can see it. Number one, the Holy Spirit is there to prepare your inner being for the love of Christ. It's what it said there in verse 16 and 17, that the Holy Spirit changes things in your life, convicts you, uh, uh, brings power and authority to face the difficult things, to actually love people well. And if you're somebody like me, who doesn't have a personality that is naturally loving? So I have been told. I can tell you that the more I'm close to Jesus, the more the Spirit of God can love in a way that is supernatural. And that's really our goal. But next week, we're going to look a lot about that, that the role of the Holy Spirit dwelling in your inner being. And I want to tell you, do not miss next weekend. This is the weekend of this whole series we have been talking about for months. It's the day of Pentecost, the day where Christians remember that the Holy Spirit was given to the early church and the mobilization of the church began. And pastors Rashad and Greg are going to be co-teaching. There's going to be a special anointing uh, moment for all of our outpost leaders. And this whole series really is about living on mission in a way where we are driven by love, we are driven by the Holy Spirit, and we are driven by sacrifice. And so this week, I want to dive more into the depth of Christ's love for you. Verse two, when Christ, or point two, when Christ dwells in you, your life is rooted in love. I know you get this, but let's look at it again really quick. So that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, that his love has so firmly rooted you It is the foundation of your life that you could not choose otherwise because his love is pouring out both the grace and truth of Jesus into the lives of people in your sphere of influence. It's earth shattering. It's life changing. And what Paul is saying here is that Christ wants to sit down and dwell in your heart where you are known by your love. No matter what you face, no matter what happens at work or what happens at home, 
that you know that because Christ loved you, you can love other people well, which is the two greatest commandments. So as Christians, we should be pretty good at them. Amen? But the reality is, for me at least, I won't speak for you, sometimes I struggle. And so he's saying, if you're not spending time dwelling with the Lord, reading scripture, praying, fasting, inviting him into the work of your life, you're not going to see the love well in your life. And if I could be totally honest, I'm raising three children that are mildly behaved. I say mildly because it depends on the moment. And, and oftentimes, the love of Christ is not near my lips. And it's in those moments, man, I kind of got to get away and go, Lord, I need you. When you're rooted and established in love, you have to go to the life source, and it's him. He is the fertile soil in your life. And so I'll ask you that question. Are you rooted and established in Christ's love? No guilt trips, but can people see the love of Christ in you? Because if they can't, it means that our roots aren't really in the life source. Because if it were, it would begin to show up in our life. I'm not trying to, to, to speak ill of you. I'm saying in my own life, when I see that there is an absence of the fruit of Christ, the love of Christ, which remember, 1 Corinthians 13, it says that we are to have faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. So love is kind of an important thing in following Jesus. That I have to go back and go, what's going on at my root system, spiritually speaking? Paul is saying that your identity should be rooted, established in Christ's love, not in your power and authority, not in your sexuality, not in your sexual life, not in your addictive habits, not in anything in this world except for Jesus. Not in what people think about you. That when we're fully rooted in Christ, people will see that, oh my goodness, they care about other people. They want to have compassion. They want to suffer with other people. You should have gotten a card on your uh, seat when you came in. If you missed it, there's more out in the lobby. Hold that up for just a moment if you got it. Hold it up. Because it's just a very cheap piece of card stock, but it literally represents a potential list of people that could spend eternity in heaven by simply having the intentionality that Jesus loved with. We teach the oikos principle that the word uh, for household in the New Testament, the Greek word is not, it's not about yogurt, is oikos. And oikos is the eight to 15 in your sphere of influence. You already have these relationships established. They're the people in the front row of your life. And look, some of you are called to be incredible evangelists, to go up to random people and allow the Holy Spirit to use you to speak to what's going on in their lives. But in the New Testament, the majority of people coming to faith are through already established relationships, your oikos, to 8 to 15 in your sphere of influence. So if we're going to be rooted and established in love, it should probably begin with those 15 people. Would you agree? And so what I want to encourage you to do this morning, to take that card, to pray over it, to write down 8 to 15 names in there, it could be people who are already Christians that you just need to be there for, but hopefully it includes people in your life that don't know Jesus. And you're going to pray for them, not because you're better than by any means, but because you've been established in the love of Christ and he loves them. They were made in his image and he's going to pursue them and pursue them. And he would like to use you to do that very thing. But to fill that out and say, I'm going to be driven by the love of Christ and I'm going to begin with these 15 people. Can you do that? There was like one child. That was great. That person, or maybe it wasn't a kid. It was probably an adult that has, anyway. Can you guys do that? Can you write down eight to 15 names? Because I'm going to hold you to it. 
And I want you to be praying over that card because next week we're going to show you how our, our micro churches, our outposts on mission, could actually be utilized to make an impact in that sphere of influence. That the Lord has supernaturally placed those relationships in your life. I could talk all day about that because I believe it's the most important thing heading into the summertime. You ever find like in the wintertime in Indiana, in the Midwest here, everybody like hibernates for nine months. And then like this time of year, they like totally come out and all of a sudden everybody's social again. Like you talk to somebody you haven't talked to in nine months and now you're BFFs all over again. This is the opportunity, especially coming out of the last year we've had of isolation, a lack of actual relationships. What an opportunity for the gospel to be spread if we just were rooted and established in love for people in our sphere of influence. Number three, though, if we're driven by love, there is power when we grasp the depth of Christ's love. Let me show you. It says in verse 18 that we may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. How deep is the love of Christ? East to the West. west. That's correct. It It is infinite. It does not stop. It is unconditional. There is no human relationship that has ever experienced the love that Christ loves you with. And if you've never experienced that, we're going to talk about that when we close out. But that, the depth of Christ's love then moves us to love people like that. You know how you can tell when somebody really cares about something, really loves something, really wants it badly? Man, it shows up. You can totally tell. I know this because we love things other than God and people. We love items and things we can acquire. In fact, uh, a little story, if you want to know what my life is like. So I shared a couple of months ago about my son, Jed, who's six years old, and now he started a rock business. I don't know why I went into the rock business, but... He, he actually sold a lot of rocks, and then he used that money to buy Pokemon cards. Not saying that's a great investment, but then it kind of rekindled my sixth grader's excitement for starting a YouTube channel. And so uh, the kids, all three of them, started a YouTube channel. They have six subscribers. It's really taken off. And uh, I, I got a 47-second clip because they've been doing all kinds of chores and earning money so that they can buy these cards to have this YouTube channel. And they finally apparently hit it big. I don't know a lot about this, but they opened up like a, I got to get this right. I got it wrong at the last service. A shiny Charizard VMAX. Does anybody know what that is? Apparently it's like a big deal. It's a big deal. Okay. So here, right here, this is how you know when somebody cares about something and really loves it. Let's watch this 47 second clip together. Christ's love for us. And I love it in the clip how uh, our two oldest were like so excited they couldn't breathe. They're going nuts. And then the six-year-old is just standing there. 
And, and some of you, like somebody comes to know Christ and they get baptized here, the angels in heaven are going nuts, people are cheering, oh, I can't believe it, I can't believe you just stand there. You're just looking around, he's like, because you've never experienced having the Lord use you to share the love of Christ with other people and having one person come to know the depth of Christ's love for them. It's the greatest feeling in the world. Uh, Pokemon and Charizard and all that, they don't even say, hold a candle to what the depth of Christ's love is like. And I want to tell you, heading into this summertime, if we got fired up about the love of Jesus, if we were driven by his love, that we would love people in our sphere of influence that way, it would be earth-shattering, life-changing. The world would never be the same again. I think the opportunity is now, especially, we have stories of this already happening in our Outpost Network. Uh, Mark Taylor, a, a firefighter here who cooks meals for firefighters, uh, came, you know, rededicated his life, got baptized, and went through Rudy, and now is starting an outpost called Extra Helpings, where he's teaching people how to cook, and then they actually have frozen meals to take home, and then they're making extra meals uh, to give away to people in need, and they, the first time they did it, they supplied 58 uh, meals, home-cooked meals for people in need. It's just one outpost. There's another outpost, LOV, that they're actually loving uh, underprivileged children right where they're at, that they're making an impact well beyond themselves, and it's all run by the love of Christ. I'm telling you, when we get the depth of Christ's love for us, it sends us on mission to love other people well. That's what this whole teaching series is about. That God created you on purpose and for a purpose, and if it begins with loving our fellow human beings, image bearers of God, even those who are far from him today, I'm telling you, it will be amazing what he can do because, number four, his love surpasses our knowledge. You can't comprehend it. We think we know what love is, but we won't really know it until we get to heaven. When you experience the love of your heavenly father, see, in verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, to know that love that surpasses knowledge. Verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen. That his love surpasses any knowledge that we could ever comprehend. It overflows into the life of others to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. So when we talk about reaching a million people for Christ, one of our movement maker statements by the year 2050 in our lifetime, through the Mercy Road family of churches, through Multiply Indiana, and partnering with other churches and for March for a Million and other things that we're doing in the state of Indiana, we really believe that because of the power of God, it's possible. But if we don't start with the depth of God's love for us that pours out into loving others, we will never see that impact made. And it's happening. And if you're not experiencing it, you're missing out on it. What we're reading about in New Testament times is happening today. Do you realize that in this last year, the, the Mercy Road family of churches, when we started this whole idea of planting these three churches, and it felt like chaos to me because of your faithfulness, we literally sent out hundreds of people. And, and, and you know what happened? The Carmel Church grew it all back, reached more people for Christ. And, and, and this last year, through decentralized leadership, there are now our churches as a whole are 50% larger than they were before COVID. That, that we baptized almost two and a half times as many people through a global pandemic as we did the year previously. We had 103 people be baptized in 2020. We're seeing a ton more people be baptized this year. That the movement of Jesus Christ is happening in our lifetime. If it begins with the love and compassion for other people, I'm telling you, it's endless. It's, it's unthinkable. His love surpasses all knowledge that we could have with us. I think we're all going, man, David, that was great because I was worried there was going to be an accident there. You did well. 
Thank you, guys. Uh, as, as we close out our time and we talk about that, that love that surpasses all knowledge, I just want to close with some verses. See, the megathon is this Wednesday. And everything we shared, I know it's going to be crazy. It's going to be wild. It is going to be wild. I'm just warning you. Uh, we believe that the Lord is going to re- uh, raise the remainder of those funds and that a church will be started in Anderson, Indiana. And the facility that we've been given for free will get renovated. We will find the team that are called by God to leave this church and other churches to go and plant a new church to spin off as a separate legal entity because the kingdom of God is advancing in our lifetime. We believe it will happen through that kind of faithfulness, but don't forget why we're doing it. Because God is so big and he loves us so much and we're gonna need some of the seat dwellers to become Christ dwellers in order to accomplish it as he messes up that couch just a little bit in our life. And as that occurs, we can remember what the love of Christ really is like. Because if you've never experienced that love before, I want to remind you of these verses. You think nobody sees you. You think nobody cares. But that guy Micah in Alabama that I shared about has changed the course of human history because he realized the depth of Christ's love for him. And I want to remind you of the love of Christ for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You will have eternity in heaven because Christ first loved you. But you say, I'm not good enough. I couldn't experience that love, Romans 5a, but God demonstrates his own agape love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when you got perfected. And the way he set the example of how to love people well, John 15, 13, greater love, agape has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. He was willing to give up his very life so that you might experience eternal life and the love of God in your life. And if you feel like you've done too much and you can never know that love, Romans 8, 37 through 39 says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Where you've been, what you've done, he loves you right where he's at. And when you would experience the depth of his eternal, infinite love, it pours out. You can't stop it and people will see it in your life. Be rooted and established in the love of Christ today and be driven by his love. Will you pray with me? God, I know there is somebody right now in here who is just, they've known about you a long time, but they're not living out of the love that you have given them. And they've just been going through the motions God, there there is someone here or online right now who has never surrendered their life to you. They've never even experienced your love. So whether it's for the first time or they just know they need to take a fresh step with you, Lord, and fully commit their life to you, to be rooted and established in your love this morning, we want to give them the opportunity to respond. If that's you in the room, pray with me right now. God, I admit I'm not perfect. I've been doing life without you. I do this beautiful thing. I repent of that. Forgive me, God. I turn to you. I accept and receive your love, your grace, your forgiveness, and your truth. And I surrender my entire life to your lordship. Use me, Lord Jesus. I'm fully yours. God, for those who prayed that right now and truly meant it, will they take a next step of faith, be driven by your love and their sphere of influence. We love you, Jesus, and we give you this morning and pray this in your name and all God's family said, amen.